rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 5.34 a.m. And you are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. It's Wednesday the 28th. Good morning, y'all. Wednesday, April 28th. So, yeah, I kind of massacred that for you, but you get the gist. You know what doggone day it is. You are listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we are making our coffee. At this very moment. Hey, don't forget that today is Noticias Frescas. That's where we do the news in Spanish. Buenos dias, Aurora. With our dear friend and colleague, Noelia Ruiz of the Mobanzi Valley SBDC, the Small Business Development Center. We give you the news in English and Spanish so that you can take part and that our uh, listeners who are not fluent in English can take part as well. Pardon me as I fill up my um, coffee pot with water. Yeah, you got to get it right, baby. Oh, man. It's homemade coffee today, y'all. It is homemade. No doubt later on today, we will probably do TW for the blended white mocha or our usual. But for right now, as early as it is, TW is not open. All right. Today is NeighborVax Aurora. Don't forget, starting at 9.30 a.m. and going until 5 p.m. at East Aurora High School, 500 Tomcat Lane. Um... That is the, um, it's a second dose clinic, and that's being hosted by our state representatives of the 83rd District, Barbara Hernandez of the 84th District, Stephanie Kiffelwit of the 50th District, Mr. Keith Wheeler, and State Senators Linda Holmes and Karina Villa. So, shouts out to them as well. Uh, Angel, excuse me, Aurora Central Catholic has the fundraiser going on, Silver Lining. We've posted that information for you guys. Make sure that you register, take part in that. Uh, Shouts out to Aurora Central Catholic. Don't forget that we did a great interview yesterday with Nicole Astra of Moxie Vox. She's a voice actress. The interview is great and it's live on all of our platforms. Oh, and also, I would be remiss. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget that first Fridays, May 7th, the Alive Teen Center, 78 South LaSalle Street. They'll be doing Hot Wheels Super Racing over there. Shouts out to the Alive Teen Center, Addie Rubio, Casey Chitwood, friends of ours. Oh, and uh, last thing, yesterday we talked about Mother's Day. You can get your mom something great for Mother's Day this year called a staycation. Yes, that's right. Many area hotels, some of the best in Chicago as well, are doing some great gift packages, including spas, massages, and uh, discounts on food. So be sure to check out our Facebook page. We've linked that article on there as well. Shout out to all the small businesses out there. Cotton Seed, Creative Exchange, Anna's Custom Treats, Tendaji Body Oils, all of you guys. And uh, tomorrow we got another great interview with a very talented artist. So stick around and see who that is. Thanks for tuning in and shouts out to all of our fans, subscribers, and listeners. We appreciate you guys very, very much. And that is the news. Good morning, sir. Good morning, how you doing? I'm alright, good to see you again. Thank you very much, I appreciate the time. For our listeners and those watching, let us know who you are, first of all, and where you're from. Michael Rayford, uh, from Aurora. 
And it's kind of funny that we are where we are um, <laughs> at ACTV, That's right. the actual studio. This was my stomping ground for a very, very long time. And I can say that I got my, you know, I talk about my TV career to, to people quite a bit. And this is where I got my beginning of being a producer and getting involved in television. And, you know, the last interview we did, we talked about the Oprah show and all that kind of stuff in my career. Right. This is where it began. So I do appreciate you allowing me to come back and talk about the journey now of, you know, April is Financial Literacy Month. Yes, that's um, right. A national campaign, a national movement every year. And it's about really teaching people about money and how money works. And, you know, when you understand the concepts of how money works, and mind you, when I was introduced to this, because this stuff is not taught in schools like it should be. Right. Um, but learning how money works, once you understand the concepts, you can then start to build on your, you know, your personal situation, your household situation, your family situation, and start sharing the information with your friends and family and, and help people out, because that's really what it's all about. Yeah. One of the things, too, that's been key is uh, building generational wealth and wealth building for people who traditionally have not been able to do that. So financial literacy is, you know, and has been key in that. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And... See, that's the statement you have Applied to knowledge Thank is powerful. You. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, right. I can give you all this information from these books. Right. But, again, if you don't apply it, if you don't take action, it really means nothing. And I can't remember who said it, but they said if you want to keep something a secret, you put it in a book. Because we don't read enough. But I think once you start reading not only these books, but, I mean, since being introduced to this financial literacy campaign, mm -hmm. I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad... Um, the Richest Man in Babylon, Think and Grow Rich, The Millionaire Next Door. Um, just diving into books and the subject matter has just changed the way I think. And I look at things a lot different. Right. Um, being a new father, my son turned four yesterday. Congratulations. Happy um, birthday. So happy belated birthday again, Miles. But just even thinking about now, what are some of the things that I could be doing for him right now today right. that's going to help? We're talking about building generational wealth. What are some things that I could do for him today that's going to help him in the next 10, 15, 20 years, even when he decides to retire? Right. Like those things, not to say I'll be able to fund his whole entire retirement, but I can make his life a lot better than the generation before me did. Right. And only because they didn't know. And that's the key is we don't, we can't teach what we don't know. Right. And I think that's probably the most valuable piece to it all. Um, in the time that you've been doing this, how many people have you helped? Um, well, I'm part of a national campaign, Correct. so the very first goal that we had was to educate a million families by 2020. Okay. And so I would say my share in that, that's a great question because I've never really sat down because, you know, we have workshops every day. So just inviting somebody to a workshop and if they come to the workshop and get the information, we count that as helping somebody. Right. So even from that standpoint to helping somebody put together a financial strategy, it's in the hundreds. It's awesome. in the hundreds, but I want to get that to where I personally am responsible for, you know, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. Right. That's what I want my number to be. Because even now that 2020 has passed, the new goal is 30 million families financially educated by 2030. 30 million by 2030. By 2030. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a huge number. It's a huge problem, too. So Yeah, well, uh, there are those that say the more outlandish the goal, the more that we should be trying to further, you know, we, we can. We should Absolutely. always be swinging for the fences. The bigger the problem, 
the bigger the benefits? Um, of those books that you mentioned, real quick before we delve, delve into the subject matter and those books specifically, you mentioned The Richest Man in Babylon. Yes. I haven't read that. Shame on you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it goes back and it talks about, I mean, when you talk about the beginning of time. Right. The concept of money or financial was always used. It's just that money hadn't been created yet. So there were things that we used to exchange right. as a currency. And so even how the, the, the proper mentality was what it was all about. And so if we change the way we think about money and using it the right way, and, you know, and I, not to say I hate to say this, because, you know, I've been a college educator for 17 years. And so in my class, two of the first assignments that we do, one is a vision board. Right. And then um, the other one is I always ask my students, you know, what do you want to, why are you here in this classroom, on this campus? And the most of them will say to get a job. And so college is not the place that you go to get a job. And you can get a job anywhere. Now, there are specialized industries where you need a college degree, whether it's becoming a lawyer, CPA, um, you know, medical doctor. You have to go to a university sure. and get credential for that. But if you just want to get a job, you don't need to be here. Go and get a job. So college really prepares us to become employees. Mm. And so if we can get out of that mindset of becoming an employee and, you know, working for 40 years and depending upon the government for Social Security, depending upon your company to provide a pension for you, if we can get out of that mind frame, like we call it the three-legged stool. So you've got your pension, you've got Social Security, and then you've got personal savings. Right. Well, we know that the Social Security system has some challenges. Right. Right? To be very nice about it. Exactly. And pensions were great during the industrial age. Yes. But they're too expensive for a company to continue funding for their employees. So the majority of companies have stopped pensions. Um, 401ks are still around, but a lot of companies are now starting to not match where it was right. Where it was great to go to college, get a degree, get a job, find a good company with benefits, and then get into the 401k program. Well, a lot of companies now are not matching anymore. Whereas we have the 401k for you, but you are responsible to fund your own retirement. You mentioned that, you said that colleges prepare people to be employees. Yes. That made me think about it. I think about all the companies that I worked for. Everybody had a college degree and then they want to get the job there. And, and it seemed like it's a mentality, right? You work 25, 30 years here, you get your gold watch, that's it. Has that mentality been, in hindsight, negative? And perpetuating all of this for a long time, was it was it wrong for us to for people to think that for all this time? Is, has that been part of the problem? That stagnant thought? Well, not to say it was wrong, but times change. Like if you think about it, I mean, why do you go to college and get a degree and get educated because you want security of some sort? Right. And so that's the thing. And our parents have told us because they know what they went through. I want you to have security. Right. I want you to be able to provide stability for your family financially. And how do you do that? You get a good paying job, you put in your time, and then at the end, that company and the government will take care of you. But it's a system. So if we know how the system works, 
we also know that there's some personal responsibility for ourselves. Sure. Where we have to, it's great if you get those two, but what am I going to do for myself just in case those two don't work out in my favor? Of the three-legged stool. Correct. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, you've been doing this for 17 years? No, I've been teaching at Wabanti for 17. Okay, she's been teaching I've for been involved years. in the campaign since 2014. How's that, how's that been? In what perspective? In a personal perspective for you. Person, it's made me, um, I would like to think that it's made me a much better person, depending upon who you ask. Because sure. before it was, you know, I go to work, weekends I watch sports, I hang out with my friends. Right. And that's what I would do. And I think that's what most people do. When they get some free time, they do those things that they love to do when it comes to relaxing. Where now it's, I think more about, okay, I still need to continue to learn as much as I want to learn, but now who can I help? How can I help myself? Right. I learn things all the time. It's like, man, okay, so now if I can squeeze my budget, take these extra dollars, and put it towards this because it's going to help myself and my family. Right. It's going to help my son. Well, man, I just learned this, and I know my friend, he's working here, but I also know that they don't have a pension anymore. How can I help him? But then also, those who want to become uh, entrepreneurs or campaigners you know we just had a couple elections yeah people help with campaigns all the time they just have to find something that they that they believe in and then they fight every day for that cause this is one of those causes interesting yeah it's a national campaign it's a national campaign um now <clears throat> the works that you brought with you mm -hmm. those books yeah. uh can we talk about those absolutely all right so the first one how money works you want to do you want to do this one first which this one were you going to do first? This one came first. Let's do that one first then. So this one is, uh, it's called Saving Your Future. And so when I was first introduced to the campaign, because at first, when I was introduced to this industry, the book didn't exist. <clears throat> because if you think about the financial industry, it's old. And then when you thought about like a financial advisor, a financial professional, you had a particular way that they looked, act, dressed, and the type of lifestyle that they lived. Well, what we're trying to do is change that and create a new industry where education comes first. And so we teach people how money works. We teach people basic concepts. And once you understand this type of information, then you can take action. And I think a lot of people um, are intimidated by the industry because, I mean, who likes math? You know, we make money, we spend money, but do we really know how to save money, invest money, and, and have money work for us? So that's really what this book is about. But if you read the book, <clears throat> it's 86 pages, and I'm a person, I don't really like to read per se, so it may not be the necessary book for you unless you really just, you'll sit down and read it and be disciplined. Right. How Money Works, this book is illustrated and you can just look at the difference in it. It's illustrated, it has characters in it, has a lot of graphics in it. Um, the characters, there are eight characters in it, and they're all at different places in their life. And so they talk about money with each other and have those conversations of, well, no one ever told me that. Well, how can I apply it to my life? And so this becomes, this book really comes alive. When I was introduced to it, I went to Vegas, um, I want to say 2019, and so we had a convention in Las Vegas, and so I read it on the plane back from Vegas, which Vegas is what, hour and a half flight, something like that? Yeah. 
I tried to put it down every 15, 20 minutes, had to pick it back up. It just grabbed me like that because it's almost written like a comic book. And it was written so that a 14-year-old kid could comprehend it. Where this one is a little more serious, if you will. Right. This one, um, you know, I have colleagues who have, you know, teenagers, and their teenagers are reading the book. And so even from, and I'll tell you a funny story, I work at a preschool and have been there for, our, it'll be four years in December. And so my students are 5 to 12. Right. And I've, always, I've been trying to think of a way, how do I teach them or introduce them to money? And it could be Monopoly, um, just a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And I would talk to them and ask them questions. And so my co-teacher and I came up with an idea of having a stock club. A stock club? A stock club. So we started a stock club. That's pretty smart. We started a stock club. We made a list of, just like the S&P 500, we came up with like the top 30 companies in the country. They all pick the company. They represent the company. We pay them allowance every week. They can save their money. They can spend their money. So we buy little trinkets for the classroom, mm -hmm. snacks and whatever. And then they can also invest as well. And so we downloaded an app. We track these companies every week. And now they're having conversations with their parents about how much money I get paid a week, how much I save this week. Right. I bought stock in this company. So the conversation can go anywhere you want it to go if you have the right tools to do so. And that's what this is about. When was uh, April declared Financial Literacy Month? Oh, that I don't know. Um, this was probably, because it was started, because um, I want to say by the Federal Reserve Bank, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, but it's been around for a long time. I mean, we've been promoting Financial Literacy Month, I mean, minimum since 2014. Okay. But I know it's been around longer than that. And so it was, it was kind of like the country's way, if you will, because there is what's called Money Smart Week, which okay. was created by the Chicago Federal Reserve Bank. And so that was actually last week. And we used to, during that week, our financial center in Oakbrook, we do special events every day, seven days a week for that particular Money Smart Week. But because of the pandemic, being sheltered in, sure. they really toned it down where they did about eight events themselves. Um, you know, when we get back to where we can walk and talk and just be free, if you will. Right. We'll get, and so hopefully next year we'll be back to where we were. But it's a, it's a week where organizations, schools, libraries... Um, nonprofits open up their doors and they let professionals come in and teach about money. So it could be, Very cool. you know, purchasing a home. It could be repairing your credit. It could be about retirement. It could be about Social Security. And so that's just that one week where information is just given away. But again, if you don't have access to a professional who's licensed, like how do I not put how do I not put those things in place for myself? Right. You know what I mean. Now, uh, something that's key and I know that you care about and had a recent workshop on, mm -hmm. is student debt. Student loan debt. Absolutely. Student loan debt. Yeah. Um, talk about what you do and consistently do uh, and the organization does oh, okay. about student loan debt. So under our umbrella, I'm part of, we have a nonprofit called the Heartland Institute of Financial Education. And so they are the largest nonprofit in the country where their services are geared around financial education. Okay. And so with them, I'm a certified college consultant. So... And whenever I talk to parents, they're always, their feedback is, well, how come this program wasn't around when I was in college? Because what we do is we teach parents and their kids about the college process, um, how to choose the right career, right. 
how to choose the right major, how to choose the right school that supports those two things. And then once we understand that, then we can try to find scholarships and grants. So even myself, um, my parents didn't go to college. Um, my mom, we had one conversation about college, and that was my senior year, spring semester. Mm -hmm. And Betsy, she said, like, we can't afford to help you at a four-year university, but we can send you to a community college and help you out. And that was the only reason I went to Abanti is because I had no guidance. Now, again, I don't mem remember a conversation with my guidance counselor. I don't know. I don't remember. So for whatever reason, it didn't stick with me. Right. And so I transferred twice to two different schools. I changed my major twice. Um, and it wasn't until my junior year, my speech instructor asked me if I ever thought about communications. And that was the first time an adult had asked me that type of question. So what we're trying to do is bring those conversations to young people when they're in eighth grade throughout high school, have those conversations with them to get the balls to rolling right. so that they can start thinking about really what they want to do. And we can introduce them to different industries and really help them dissect it, get internships, do some job shadowing, find mentors who are in that industry already right? so that they can find out what that industry is about before they choose a school, choose a major, get into a job, and then after the fact, find out, I hate this. And so now they've gotten into student loan debt, they've chosen the wrong school, they want to choose careers, and so they have to start over. Quality of life is probably absolutely. affected by that as well. Yeah, Absolutely, absolutely. So um, we partnered with a company called College Loan Freedom. Okay. And so now their priority is to, okay, how do we now help those who are drowning in student loan debt? And so, you know, whether you're a professional, you're a CPA, dentist, doctor, whatever the case may be. Right. But student loan debt is crippling you. So, number one, it may be stopping you from becoming an entrepreneur um, because you owe the government all this money. So, you maybe can't get funding for your business venture. Right. Um, um, you may not be able to plan to save for your own retirement because your student loan payment is a mortgage payment. Right. So they're there to evaluate your loans, your situation, and try to find a way out. And forgiveness is a big part of that. So depending upon the industry that you're in, there are some programs that can help you with forgiveness as well. Um, there's a lot. There's been things going on in the national discussion mm -hmm. about uh, debt forgiveness yep. and everything like that. Yep. How does that mirror or does it mirror at all or tie in to what your campaign and organization is doing? Absolutely. It does. Um, Number one, because when we sit down with a family, we do what's called um, um, a financial needs analysis, and that's just where we lay everything on the table. And, you know, you have to be honest and open about your situation. Sure. Uh, this is what it is, because it is what it is. And typically, we find out that student loan debt is one of those major problems. So it's credit card debt, student loan debt, could be car loan debt, so that, that debt is a major issue. And so we go through what's called the seven money milestone analysis, and debt is number two. So we identify the debt, we identify the issues, and then we try to find solutions to reduce that debt. Right. Because if you're paying too many people, you can never pay yourself. And so that's really what this campaign is about, is how do we figure out how to pay yourself first? Mm. And we've heard that for the longest time. When you get your paycheck, pay yourself first. How am I going to pay myself first if I'm paying everybody else? So we have to figure out how do we reduce that right? and then pay yourself first, pay your family first. Are there any local 
uh, local as in Aurora mm -hmm. partners that you work with? Not at the moment. Okay. Doesn't mean that there could not be some new relationship established. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we're always looking for good partnerships. Right. Um, and so that's even, you know, with myself, I'm always looking for professionals to join our campaign, become business partners, because like you think about the realtor, the, the loan officer, the tax professional, they have a clientele who they are working with. Right. And they're working with their financial situation. They just don't do what we do. Partnering up, we call them strategic partners. We can now bring value to what they do because we want to holistically help a client and a family with their financial situation. Um, we don't want to leave any stones unturned and we don't want to have any blind spots either. How can people find out about yourself and your campaign? I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I'm on Facebook. Not all the time. Right. But I'm on Facebook. Um, I mean, I'm on social media. Instagram, Twitter. I'm the only, I'm the real Michael Rayford. There are a couple that I found on Facebook, but of course they're not me. Right. But I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, man. Um, all you have to do is Google me and, you know, email. Um, I'm sure I'll give you my cell number, my email address. I'll give you my Twitter, my Instagram, all those things that you need. Um, one thing I definitely want to pop right now is um, how many works we have a new initiative called Teach It Forward. Teach It Forward. And so we talk about this information not being taught in schools. So in this country, if you think about the 50 states, only 21 states require financial literacy to be taught in high school. Wow. Wow is right. And it used to be like, it used to be like 14 when I first joined this campaign. So there's some progress, but it's moving very slow. And of course, Illinois is not one of those states. Now, I was talking to a superintendent the other day, and they, there are some schools that have like an economics requirement to graduate. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about personal finance, that is not covered. Teach It Forward is an initiative where we, campaigners like myself, are reaching out to principals, superintendents of high schools and even elementary schools where we are donating these books to their library so that they have access. So if there are any principals, superintendents in this local area, I'm a Black Hawk, I don't mind the other side of the river, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but I have books to give away for their library, so at least they have the tools to start introducing this information to their students. And the goal is to educate 10,000 students financially. Mr. Rayford, I'm, yeah. I'm slightly perturbed, so uh -oh. perhaps you can help me with this. Okay. He said perturbed. Perturbed. What high school did you go to? I went to a few high schools, but I graduated from Wabonzi Valley High School. Um, I'm perturbed. How could it be in a country <laughs> that you could have mm -hmm. uh, a wealth gap, yep. but there had not been financial literacy of any strong, you know, important taught in high mm -hmm. schools? Right. How could that be? How could there not have been that knowledge? And then we have this issue now, you know. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this question. And, and so this is stuff that I'm learning as well. Right, from, just from, from the books I'm reading as well. Right. Um, and by any means, I'm not a tax professional. I'm not a CPA, so I'm not an expert in taxes. But just think about this. Um, when we talk about taxes, who pays the most taxes in this country, typically? If you think about the, the demographics, who pays the most taxes? 
Caucasian Americans? No, no, not 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 by not by gender or by race. Oh, okay, excuse me. But if we think about the group of people themselves, the community. Uh, business owners. No. No. Well, because they get tax breaks because they employ people typically. You're right. Um, yeah. The middle to low income uh, individuals. Middle America. Right. Those who families, are paycheck individuals. to paycheck. Right. Who are and and when we think about middle America, for the most part, we. I'm, I'm middle American, my parents are, are about three paychecks away from disaster. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and that's the demographic, which is about 80% of our population, that pays the most in taxes. Okay. Those are the individuals who, for the most part, went to college, got a degree, and are working. Um, high consumers sometimes. Sure. You know what I mean? Keeping up with the Joneses, those type of things. Um, they, we pay the most taxes because we don't own a business. Um, a lot of times we're not investing, so we're not getting those tax breaks. So if personal financial literacy was taught at a very young age, how do you think that demographic of people would shrink? Will we have more entrepreneurs? Will we have more business owners? Yeah. So there'd be less people who would be dependent upon the government system and the pension system. So we go back to the three-legged stool. We'd have more people who are independently financially wealthy and stable where they wouldn't need the system as much as they do right now. Right. They wouldn't need the employer the way they do right now. They could have potentially been employers themselves. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. Man, when you put it in that perspective, now I'm thinking about, you know, I, I think in my own life about... Well, my dad, you know, my dad was an iron worker and, uh, you know, I says he, he told me, you got more jobs than a Jamaican. I've only had one <laughs> job my whole life. My dad was an iron worker. Yeah. Um, he started as an iron worker and retired as an iron worker. And I remember my own life, graduating high school, like, what did I want to be? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I joined the Navy of a, of a of sense of leaving home, but also, you know, that proverbial brass ring, right? Like, yep. hey, I'll just, that'll be it. My son now wants to be a YouTuber. That's what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And I, in my head, I catch myself talking to myself, and I hear him say that, mm -hmm. and I think, how is he going to pay the bills? I think like my dad's mentality. Right. But now we're in a society right. where he could do that and Absolutely. be successful. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you a good example of one of the, the concepts. But again, you talk about that's what we've seen. Exactly. Like, if I think back to my parents, I've always known my mom to have at least two jobs. Right. So I've never been afraid to work. I've always had a job, unless there were some extenuating circumstances. Never afraid to work. I will work. Right. I don't care what it is. If I got bills to pay, I'm going to work. That's that mentality of trading time for dollars. That's. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, that's a security thing. But if we can get away from trading time for dollars, because if you trade time for dollars, there's only 24 hours in a day. So you're capped. You could work every minute of the day, you're only going to make X amount of dollars. Now, the average wage in this country is about $24, $25 an hour. Right. You're capped. But if you learn to have your money work for you, money doesn't sleep. Money doesn't call off. But you have to learn what's in these books. This is the starting point. Um... And I, I forgot because I got so into that. But you were talking about your son. Yeah. 
Um, but I've been trying to change it. Like this is the, oh, I was going to talk about the million dollar baby. So this is a concept where imagine if like my son is four um, and we have a couple family friends who where the wife is pregnant and expecting in a couple months. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you could put aside X amount of dollars today and put it in an account and let it sit for 67 years. So that unborn child now has a retirement fund that's set up so they don't have to be concerned about retirement right. because of what their parents or grandparents did for them. So now throughout life, that young person can do what your son's talking about. Right. I'm not worried about security is already set up for me. Now I can experiment. I can follow my passion. I can follow my heart. I can do things that, that make me feel good. If I want to give back to people, I can do that. I don't have the pressure of I have to go to school. I have to get a job because I need that paycheck. Yeah, that's the thing about financial literacy and everything that you're doing that really sticks out to me that I hope that anyone listening to this mm -hmm. and watching this understands. Like, It's the quality of life. Yep. You don't want to be chasing it, for yep. heaven's sakes. Absolutely. I mean, I th you know, just speaking on myself as a narrator here, like, I was going, I thought I had the job of jobs. I'm on the train, an hour into the city. Mm -hmm. I'm there, I gotta be an hour and 30 minutes early because that's the only train and then the next one's gonna make me late. Yep. And I'm eight to five behind this desk. Yep. Then it's an hour home. Yep. And the metro tickets are $217 a month. Been there. What am I doing? Yep. Been there. Not financially. Well, my money is not working for right. me as it should. I right. am chasing it. Right. The proverbial it, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. It's not a good way to live. Yeah, and if you think about it, when we were kids, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I had a paper route. I saw lemonade. I saw... Didn't sell Girl Scout cookies, but sold Boy Scout. You know, all those mm -hmm. things that would help you develop those entrepreneurial skills. Right. Well, then at some point, what were we told? You got to get a job. Right. You're old enough now, get a job. You turn 16, you got to get a job. Forget the skills that you have been developing. Yep. Talking to people. Yep. Cold calling. Yep. Cold introducing. Learn how to sell. Right. No, go bag groceries. <laughs> But we, we get brainwashed and we get taught and then we start to build those bad habits. Right. And, and, and it's, it's okay if that's what you want because some people belong in the, the E quadrant where they are satisfied and happy with being an employee. Sure. At the same time, though, you still need to learn how to become self-employed on some point. Like now we're in the gig economy. Um, at some point, you want to try to become some type of business owner so that you can take advantage of... Um, tax breaks, but mm -hmm. also what if you could come up with a business that could help other people help their families and then eventually become an investor of some sort. Right. So whether it's just the stock market, real estate, whatever you want it to be, but we shouldn't just stay in that employee mind frame where we're just consistently trading time for dollars because then you're just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. Um. You recently did the Heartland Institute initiative. That was the most recent thing that the campaign um, did. I was on Freedom Thing? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's next? Well, I do the uh, college coaching webinars twice a month. Okay. So my next one will be in a couple of weeks, and I'll definitely let you know when that's going to be. Certainly. But usually do in the middle of the month and then at the end of the month. And so what we did last week was our, was our workshop for the end of the month. Okay. But then especially now with, you know, May is here. 
your graduation coming. We've got, you know, kids graduate from high school who at this point don't know where they're going to college next semester. They know they're going somewhere, they just don't know where. Right. Now, if they're given the proper guidance, they would know that stuff in January, February. Mm. And then they're just waiting for their acceptance packages, their award packages. They would know how much money they're getting, grants and scholarships, hopefully no loans. And then so then you can enjoy your summer. Right. You know, enjoy graduating high school, enjoy your summer. Or go to summer school and just take up class and start working ahead. So instead of graduating in four years, why not three and a half? Right. Mm -hmm. Get in and get out and start making some money in the field that you want to be in. Anything we forgot? Hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, we've got a couple things coming up there, not until June. So we have, we do two conventions per year. Okay. Um, so last year this time, when the pandemic happened, we canceled our first convention of the year. But with some afterthought, the leadership was like, no, we have to do something, but let's do it virtual. And so um, what we did was every registered attendee of the convention, our leadership donated $2 for each individual. Mm -hmm. And so we raised uh, more than $800,000. And those funds were donated to several different like food banks and whatnot around the country. Um, so this year we've got another event coming up in June. Okay. And so I don't know if it'll be the same focus as far as donating dollars, but just from the fact of moving the campaign forward, but also, because um, if you think about it, how many industries or business owners, you know, got lost? The restaurants shutting down, you know, those type of things. So oh, people yeah. are looking for something. Um, more control of their time, more control with their family. Like right now, if you don't have some type of way of earning income on a digital platform, now's the time to do that. Um, if you don't have some type of home-based business, now's the time to do that. Because we don't know where this thing is going to be in six months or a year from now. Right. And we don't know how many companies are... I mean, companies right now are trying to figure out how they're going to change to fit into this new way of life. And so we have to take it upon ourselves to get more prepared for that. And attending our event could possibly open your eyes to some possibilities. Not saying you have to join us and do what we do, but from a personal standpoint, you need to look at your situation and see if there are any blind spots or holes. Absolutely. And come to the workshops, get the information, and then decide what direction you want to go. But, I mean, we're in the contact. It's just about talking to people and seeing where they are and how can we help. And then we're also helping ourselves. I mean, in all the jobs that I've had, I've never had um, anyone explain to me what a 401k was, what a 403b was, um, the value of life insurance, how it's used. Because, you know, when you start a new job, yeah, we got life insurance, we'll take a dollar day check. But what is that going to do for your family? Right. And then when you leave, it's gone. Typically, it's gone. So we have to take more control of our own personal situations as it relates to our us and our families as well. So, Mr. Rayford, yes, it sir. has been another another one good moment and interview with you. I appreciate the time and energy, man. And given um, given the last time that we saw you, you dropped many jewels on us, and you did not disappoint. Once well, thank again. you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping that we can grow this even further. I mean, because you just never know what the future holds, right? You know? But I think as um, 
the more you learn about this business and this industry, you start to look at life a little differently. Right. Um, you start really looking at your pockets differently. Mm -hmm. You know, do I really need to go out? Like, and we can't really go out on a Friday night right now anyway, but it's like, you know, do I really need to spend this money right now? Or how can I make this money work for me? You mentioned keeping up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. And for those who may be uh, too young to understand that, what that basically means is, hey, look, my neighbor across the street, oh, what they doing? They put in a new pool. Yep. How big is my backyard? Can I fit a pool in my backyard? Hey, they just went, they got the new Cadillac for the year. Absolutely. Man, even though my car gets great gas mileage and it saves me a lot, it does not guzzle the way a Cadillac does. And I haven't had a payment in two years. And I haven't had a payment in two years. We <laughs> might need to be new. getting a Cadillac. Absolutely. Um, nowadays, especially with the cell phones and everything like that, people are paying $1,286 every six months yep. for a new phone. Yep. Which if they just updated the one that they got could do the same thing. That keeping up with the Joneses has yeah. always been a a, a, uh, a problem. A problem. In here, we have something that's called the sucker cycle. It's, you know, if you think about it, every two weeks, however, however often you get paid, whether it's every week or every two weeks, think about how many people you're actually paying. And then how many people are paying you. And so the sucker cycle continues. It repeats itself every two weeks. You get your check. And think about it. You know, when you get your check, is it already gone? Right. Because you know who you have to pay already. Right. You well, know how much you're yourself. getting and where it's going. Absolutely. So think about that. How many people are paying you? And that's what we have to do is we have to increase how many people are paying us. And it doesn't have to necessarily be people that are paying us, but how many assets do you have that are paying you? And again, you know, if you talk to any of my colleagues, a lot of us are, we're working on ourselves as well. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not close to it. But I have the vehicle now where I know that's possible. I have the vehicle now where I know my son is going to be all right. Right. I have the vehicle now where, you know, they say women live longer than men. I don't know. I don't know if I'll outlive my wife. But I have confidence that if something would ever happen to me, she's going to be all right. And I can continue to build on that. And I think that, you know, as black men, we need to start thinking about that from a family standpoint as well. Absolutely. So, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, we appreciate Mr. Rayford of yep. the National Financial Literacy Campaign for coming and speak with us. Yep. Saving your future and how money works. Stop being a sucker. That's right. Stop being a sucker. Don't get into the sucker cycle. <laughs> we will be posting uh, information, links, documents, and other events from the campaign and Mr. Rayford on our Facebook page and Instagram. Absolutely. And we will also share those on our Twitter as well. Absolutely. You guys, please get in contact with Mr. Rayford. Be blessed. And have a great day.